welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. It's Thursday night, and because you're hearing me and not Rick, the obvious is Rick is not with us tonight. He has totally abandoned us and gone to Disney World. Jerk. So with us is somebody else who's also freezing his tail off in a colder part of the country than Florida where Rick is, and that is Chuck Gotsky who's sitting in tonight. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Karen. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Lucky you. You get to, you get to fill Rick's shoes. Big shoes to fill. I know I am the co-host and lovable sidekick. <laughs> I am my sidekick. That's right. So Chuck even made like a little sidekick comic for tonight's show. I think basically the the whole gist of the comic that you made was that I ran over you with a motorcycle. Well, yeah, because you know, Chad was saying, you know, picture you driving the motorcycle and me on a sidecar, you know. So I figured, you know, let's just make it crash over and you land on me and I save you. Because I'm your sidekick, you know. Oh, yes, yes. You're a sidekick and I'm a psychic. See how that works? <laughs> We're a pair. That's right. All sorts of good stuff. So in a little while, we are going to be talking to our guest, and it is um, Frank Lazaro, and he is from a little little paranormal investigation group in New Jersey. So looking forward to talking to him in a little while. So, Chuck. Yes? You are with In the Dark Paranormal Investigations. In the Dark Investigations. No paranormal, yes. right? That's okay. You can throw it in if you want. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. it yeah, it's want. implied. The paranormal is implied. That's right, because yes. I am the boss. I am in charge. My yes, power ma'am. knows no bounds. I, you know, yeah. this is kind of exciting. I'm feeling all powerful tonight. Um, <laughs> anyway, so what do you guys have going on? You have, have you had any new investigations or any exciting things happening in, in your world there in Chicago? Well, let's see. In Chicago, I had, uh, yeah, we did, uh, the, um, and we did an antique store actually in local in town, like five minutes from my house, which was kind of nice instead of driving five to six hours everywhere I have to yeah, go. Yeah, isn't so, that you know. great? We did an antique yeah. store. Those are interesting. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, we, I just, I've been going through all the, the footage and stuff now. I got to wrap it up because we got a, a team party, a Christmas party next week, like we always have. And I like to give out little gifts and, you know, we go over the last, uh, investigation we had for the year, talk about what we're going to do next year, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, I, I did get some interesting findings out of the antique store. So what do you think about now we really decided when we did the antique store that first of all there was a lot in the antique store that we we went to um it was like an antique mall like one of those places where they have all the different vendor booths in mm-hmm. it yeah, and it's right, all yeah. really old stuff I think that some of it may be attached to buildings and things but I just have a hunch in an antique store that some of it comes from all of the the items in the store. What do you think about that? Yeah, we were talking about that um when we first went in, you know, cuz the history of the building was that there was a the fire right here in town and it kind of leveled the building, but the foundation was still from like the 1800s, then they rebuilt it in the 1900s and it's been the, that building ever since. But yeah, I think a uh, with the different kinds of EVPs I got from men's voices to children's voices to, I mean, I got quite a lot. Um, we feel that, you know, yeah, I think it was, you know, I think there's a lot of attachments going on with that place. I don't think it's just the building itself. I mean, you got, you could be the land, it could be the building, it could be, you know, like you said, all the different articles that are in there and they're ever changing all the time. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, that made me think of an investigation that I did one time when I was with, um, 
not the group I'm with now, but with Northwest Paranormal Investigation Agency. And Mm -hmm. um, we did a building that had been moved. Oh. So the building itself had been moved. You mean like picked up and driven and put somewhere else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, I mean, it had only been moved like a block or two. It hadn't been moved that far. But was, what was really interesting is that when the team, and I wasn't there for the first investigation, but when the team, and this was a pretty notoriously haunted location, when the team first investigated it, they mm-hmm. got all sorts of stuff. And when we investigated it after it had moved, nothing. Ah, yeah, so they probably figured it was probably more tied to the area that was connected on versus the home itself. Well, yeah, you know, that would be kind of, um, we had the opportunity to do it clearly with just this one, but, you know, not a lot of buildings probably get moved, not a lot of haunted buildings. But it would be really cool to to be able to do that in a couple of different buildings over a period, you know, maybe three or four investigations before it moves and three or four investigations after it moves and do it in several, just to really see if you can sort of zero in on, on what's going on in, you know, whether it is from the building or the land or the people or whatever it is. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, try to lock it down to to see what uh, if there's a if there's a pattern. Sort of like you could do the same with the, the antique store. You could go and say, you know, okay, I did it this year. Let's wait until maybe the end of next year because you know all that stuff in there is going to be sold out and changed around. Now True. let's go back and see if we got the you know the same dichotomy of what we got the first time and to see the the changes and and whatnot. Have you that way too? Well, one of the things that I really feel about investigating that that um. Probably a lot of us don't do very well as paranormal teams, and part of it is the willingness of the owners is returning to locations more than one time because, you know, you can't make this stuff happen on cue, and sometimes one night isn't or one afternoon or whatever it is isn't going to be enough, and you need to be able to do it over a period. Yeah, and I, so I, that's that's why I say with like the store, so I could see, but I would do maybe do three investigations at the, at the antique store, and then go back and do three more in a year, so that you really have a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, we did Willow Creek Farm that way. We did, you know, the first time we went, we got a lot of stuff. That's how we wound up doing the documentary. Right. Uh, before we went the second time, however, they had a cleansing because they had said that. Someone had had some negative energy uh, attack them or scratch them or harm them in some way. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. So they had the cleansing. So when we went out the second time, the whole atmosphere had changed. It was so much quieter. It was it was just totally different. And then right. recently we went out again. I, I just took my case manager out there. We went out for a third time, and it was even quieter than the second time. It like just totally changed. You know, We were kind of sad about it because there were a lot of entities – that were uh, that I don't feel were bad, you know, that were good. That were just kind of like yeah. you know, like when you go visit your family and they're not there now. And so, yeah, it was very interesting to see the change. No, like that. I, I get that, and you know, we have the one location, um, clearly Wellington, that we've investigated over time. But then um, we had one here locally in town that was the Lewis County Historical Museum, and we did investigate that many, 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 many times. And then something happened at the museum. Um, the director embezzled money the Mm. museum had to fire they Mm. no longer wanted um you know they no longer wanted paranormal investigators in there that type of thing yeah so we we can't go in there anymore and uh yeah it it was it was a bummer because we had a place where you could get that and it's i think if any team could get a place where they can go to this place repeatedly over a period and over not just two or three visits but visits over years 
yeah, to see how it changes. Yeah, because it's one thing to get, uh, I don't know, what do we call it? Evidence, whatever, footage, okay, EVPs, yeah. all that kind of stuff. stuff. It's, an, it's more interesting to find, like, a, like it's one of the questions I want to ask tonight to uh, our guest, Frank, is, you know, are there patterns, consistencies? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those are the things you're looking for to know, you know, is it at this time, uh, is the EMF always high when it happens? Or is it low when it happens? You know, right. to find some kind of way of gauging when right. it's going to happen or how it's going to happen, you know. Well, and you have a lot of investigation teams who feel that they take a, a scientific approach. Mm-hmm. And my thought is that it's a scientific approach if you're returning and you're getting repeatable phenomena because part of you know science is that you can repeat it that's correct that's i I agree 100 percent. that's why we we as a team like next year we'll probably go to at least three or four of the same places we went to this year and that's part of the thought process with us is like you know you can't it's exactly what you're saying you can't do it one time you have to go back and see what's changed within the air uh to see if it's all the same you know and that's what we're looking for because i think that's the only way you're going to catch patterns and such there's i mean if just going on a one-time thing yeah it's cool you catch some evidence blah 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 look at this but it's more to us it's more than just doing that you know what i mean right well it's a little more difficult though when you're working with a client because you know, it's a fairly major undertaking for them to let these strangers into their home and make the arrangements to do what they need to and all of that. And then typically if investigators have been there, we find that it stirs up activity, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that type of thing. So when you're working with like a private homeowner or a private business owner who's invited you in, sometimes it's harder to to get the repeatable. And it winds up just being that one or two times investigation. What we do is we do a walkthrough and then an investigation. And we yeah, may send right. like uh, remote viewers to, to look at it. We have some consultants that are remote viewers, things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree there uh, that, well, you know, we do residences, but we don't center on those. We kind of try to center on the larger venues that we can get allowed to go back and back and back and kind of yeah. make a friendship, you know, kind of a contact and a friendship with the people. So they trust us. Uh, you know, we're not, pro- we're not provocators. We go in, we're very respectful. We don't okay. shake things up too much. You know, that's what we do. So we can go back and they'll say, yeah, you know, you guys can come back anytime. You're very, you know, you're, you're, you're clean. You're, you do everything that you're supposed to, you're organized, you know? Yeah, sure. Come on back. So that's, that's the kind of the mindset we're trying to do. It's kind of trying to like sell ourselves, so we can get that foot in the door the next time around. Yeah, yeah. And see, we do a lot of work with private <clears throat> clients um, because I think that, you know, uh, for a lot of people, it's peer research. For me, it's mission. <laughs> it's right. helping the people come to terms with um, things having to do with the afterlife as part of mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes a counselor as much as anything. But yeah. the other part of it for me is seeing what I can do to help any spirits that feel like they, you know, for some or falsely believe that they need to stick around here. So for me, it's, it's more mission based. And so, um, you know, but we, I do like to have that place where you can go back and back and back too. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think both, I think both kinds of investigators and investigation protocol is good. Like the, yeah, where you're helping the people, you know, and we're just kind of the, we're the kind of this, we're, we're investigating to gather the data to see the patterns and stuff. So yeah. I think, I think perfect. everybody has that perfect spot that we all need to fit into this big circle to figure out what's going on, you know? I think you're right. It's a circle of paranormal. I'm gonna, I almost was going to break into song, but, you know, there's just not, there's just not time. I know I'm going to tease you with that Come all night. On. Chuck, Chuck wants me to break into song in the worst <laughs> way, but I have a super sore throat. Yeah, so so you may, I, you I, may, sing, I sing badly anyway. 
No, but you made my birthday, man. You sang like Marilyn Monroe to me on my birthday. That was awesome. I did. On air. You know what I mean? I did. I doesn't, did. It doesn't get cooler than that. Sorry. I know. So let's do this. We're going to okay. go to break. And when we come back, we will be talking to Frank Lazaro. So Sounds stick around, everybody. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Visit us today at ParanormalUnderground.net and get a 12-month digital subscription for 15% off the cover price. This is Karen Frazier, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, a paranormal memoir, my Wellington story continues. Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife or to read an excerpt from the book, visit DancingWithTheAfterlife.com. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier. I'm here with my co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio, Rick Hale. Hi everyone. We invite you to join Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network to explore the unexplained every Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific and other times in the flyover states. <laughs> Each week we talk with investigators in the field, researchers, authors, and experts about topics that include paranormal investigation, ufology, cryptozoology, and spirituality. So, please join us each Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern for Paranormal Talk with great guests right here on HazyRadioNetwork.com. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today.
Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. I am Karen Frazier. With me sitting in as my co-pilot tonight, Chuck Gotsky. That would be me. That would be you. That would be me. And apparently, also, that song at the break sounded like maybe new music. So those of you who are sick of our music, there you go. Something new. Now, probably that wasn't new. Was it new, Cheryl? No. (laughs) (laughs) Crap. You made it sound new, Karen. I believe. Uh, I know. I probably shouldn't have asked Cheryl. Everybody, nobody yeah, would have known. No one would have known. No, I know. All right. So we have our guest on the line. So I think that we'll go ahead and introduce him before I can say anything else that, you know. Yeah. Okay. So our guest tonight is Frank Lazaro. He was um, born in Camden County, New Jersey. It says his age here, but it makes me feel really old, so I'm not going to say it. Um, he is a lifelong South Jersey na- native. He was exposed to the paranormal world at an early age, continued to have experiences, and over time developed a strong desire to learn how to find ways to understand them. His first opportunity to begin investigating paranormal was under the guidance of Nancy Tercy and the now-defunct Double Visions Paranormal Group, which is a really cool name. Um, and now he is the director of NJ Rope Paranormal, New Jersey researchers of paranormal evidence which operates through new jersey eastern pennsylvania and delaware which is a really cool part of the country for hauntings so frank welcome to the underground thank you how are you very well thank you i'm glad that you were able to come on tonight no, I appreciate you having us on. Uh, so, and now you told everything about me, so I have nothing left to say. I know. So, okay, thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, Frank. So, um, you are in a really cool part of the country for paranormal investigation. There's all sorts of, because, you know, it's older. I'm out here in Washington State where, you know, things aren't as old. And so, you know, we don't have some of the really neat historical buildings that you guys do out there. So, what do you investigate? What do we investigate? Well, um, well, as a group, we uh, we, we tend to investigate uh, pretty much whatever. But uh, we, uh, we, you know, we do the usual, the, the graveyards and stuff like that. There's plenty of those. But uh, from a historical perspective, you have battlefields. Um, for instance, you have uh, Fort Mifflin out this way. It's a pretty well-known right. popular home. Um, other ones we have around here, that would be Fort Delaware. Uh, you know, you look at the... Valley Forge is another place people can check out. Uh, I mean, it's it, the whole East Coast is just lined up with places. Uh, you know, it's 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 pretty much open. Uh, we are, in fact, we're doing an investigation tomorrow night at a place called the Holman Mansion out in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you've ever nice. heard of that. No, uh-uh. uh, is it a well-known haunted location? It actually, it actually is becoming more well-known. Uh, apparently, it was something that uh, a place that uh, had been kept secret for a while, and they've recently opened it up to uh, to groups to go out and uh, and you know entertain themselves for an evening out there. So, oh, very good. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. We've never been there before, and, and I'm not sure if they're gonna they're going to be uh, maintaining it or not. Uh, I'm hoping that they continue it. Uh, since, you know, it usually does make a lot. You know, it helps these places stay open, as you know, historical locations don't get any money. So uh, right. this is a great way for, for groups to give back a little bit to uh, 
to help assist with some of their expenses. So I hope they continue to do it. Sure, sure. I actually believe that um, paranormal money, <laughs> people willing to pay to investigate places, is a great, great way to preserve historical locations, gives them some, some money for that. And I know some that do it well, and I know some that don't want that association. Right. Uh, you know, and I, I certainly understand not wanting that association, but when you need money, boy, it's a good way to do it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, we'll pay, uh, most of us will pay a, a pretty penny. I mean, you know, it's $40, $50 a person is not un, an unreasonable amount of money to throw into an investigation for yourself. So uh, you can imagine, you bring, we have a group of 30 people. So, uh, you know, a group that large, and you figure if, if even half the team were to come out for an investigation, that's a pretty good chunk of change that we're putting away. So. Yeah, that's a big group. Um, so I've got to imagine that you have to pick and choose who gets to go on investigations because you can't just take 30 people to, you know, like Correct. a small Correct. house or something. Well, but what we have is we actually have three teams. Uh, I mean, myself, the director, uh, basically I oversee um, a northern team, a, a southern New Jersey team, and a Pennsylvania team. Uh, and what that allows us to do is we break our personnel amongst those three divisions, um, each with assistant directors and, uh, you know, obviously the necessary officers that we, we call our, our leadership the officers. Um, and, you know, then each member, uh, different members based on where they live geographically were placed in specific teams. So we get an, an investigation up in the northern part of the state and we try to tend to bring the northern team. So it does make it a little easier um to you know people sort of understand that you're you're not going to be picked for everything that uh um you're going to be given opportunities based on where you live but then places like fort mifflin where you have such a huge area you can bring 20 people and you wouldn't even see each other so it's just uh it's a matter of where you go for private homes though uh we generally uh generally bring our our what we call our core team out there or our um our, our, our leadership our officers for the Again, for lack of words, um, and they, uh, you know, we supplement with additional membership to uh, to meet the needs for the investigation itself. So everybody gets a good chance. We average about fifty investigations a year, so we're able to uh, spread people out pretty thin. You know, we can, we can get them out there and get them some experience. So the you thing know. about thirty team members that I like mm -hmm. is that's a lot of people to review evidence. Uh, when you absolutely. get the 56, 60 hours of video, you know, stuff like that. Absolutely. It does, it does come in handy. You know, and the way we break it down, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's step by step. So it does work out great to have, uh, again, and it comes back to teams because we, you know, our assistant directors assist with the analyzing portion of the work. And obviously the final reports come down to myself and, uh, and to Curry um, to, uh, to make sure our final reports are, are where they need to be and, and prepared properly for our clients. But uh you know, it, it really does make a difference when you have 30 people around. You can, you can pop out, uh, you know, a two and a half, three hour recordings in a matter of a week or two, um, and have everything compiled. So, you know, it, it's, it's great. It, it works out. And everybody's so dedicated. We, and the team is, is wonderful. We're family, um, oriented. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, you know, you basically become brothers and sisters with everything and, uh, we trust each other. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for having such a wonderful group of people around me. So, uh, they make the job easier for sure. I have a question. Sure. Uh, Frank, uh, mm -hmm. I see that you have you used psychic slash mediums within your group also, correct? Correct. So do you, like, since you say you have them all spread out between different you areas. You use them, you involve oh, I'm them. Sorry. I hate I'm it sorry. when people say, I know. No, I'm, I'm sorry. just teasing. I didn't mean it that way. I, I get Rick says that all the time, too. You use psychics. No, you don't. Okay. If you, <laughs> when you involve them in your there investigations. There we go. Thank you. Okay. Not a problem. Anything for you, Karen. Word police. Um, 
<laughs> um, when like, do you guys do you have one for each? Like, so you say you split up your groups into different, you know, uh, geographical areas. Are there uh, medium slash psychics for each geographical area? Like, uh, you know, if you go. Yes, there are. Yeah, actually, fortunately, we do have that luxury of having that um, that ability to spread our personnel out like that. But uh, you know, I I will bring personnel from different teams to assist with. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, if we're if our northern uh, sensitive can't be available for an investigation, um, then we'll bring someone else from another area um, with us for that particular investigation. So we do shift them around if necessary. Um, but uh, for the most part, though, we're uh, you know, the way where our officers are are, are are lined up is uh we have it, it, it would take you me describing to you exactly how the team operates but it's uh everybody has a job on the team i mean i have obviously the usual tech manager the case manager all that stuff but our our officers have uh, have details that they're required to um to accomplish on investigations as well uh we have personnel coordinators which help assist make sure the flow goes properly for the different investigations that we're on but Directly, uh, we have uh, what we call a data officer. We have a safety sweep officer. We have, uh, you know, a technical setup team. So everybody gets assigned um, a team after they go through their training period, uh, which which incorporates a six month uh, with classroom and uh, um, field investigation training period, with actually with a written test at the end to mm-hmm. certify. Oh. Right. So, so let's talk about that classroom training then. Sure. What sure. What do you um, because clearly you know that every group has, not every group, but there are very different beliefs about protocols and, and how things should be conducted. So what do you require of your investigators then? Um, from a from a training perspective, uh, well, they're required to take, uh, well, we have an orientation, uh, obviously. Our orientation consists of new members coming out. They meet us, uh, meet with the group, the, the leadership of the group. Uh, we go through the basic uh, details of how the group functions, um, so forth and so on. Um, then we get into an actual full day of eight hours worth of classroom training where it consists of uh, an awareness training session. Uh, we have a psychoprotection session. We have, uh, um, you know, EVP analysis section. We have, you know, uh, I mean, it's great. You know, it's like five or six different classes can, you know, compose into uh, to an entire day's worth of work. And it's not, mm-hmm. you're not talking about covering basic information. We went to depth. About uh, about specific information. I've done a lot of research, uh, read a lot of books, and and I've managed to try and uh, get as much of that information as I can back to the uh, back to the team. So we don't, I want the membership to be prepared. Uh, I mean, as you know, uh, I mean, there's obviously inherent um, dangers that come along with what we do. I mean, we are sure venturing in places where we probably shouldn't be venturing, but we do anyway. You know, but sure. uh, but uh, for for. You know, for for lack of experience, uh, I mean, it's you know we have a lot of people with newer members, and even myself as as a, a seasoned investigator and, and everybody with me, um, we always have something to learn. So it's right. our, our our sessions are open forum. It's not strictly me lecturing to you about what you need to know. It's about right. you contributing to the table things you do know that makes everybody that more rich with the knowledge. Um, and uh, you know we have our our meetings are are consist of. Uh, uh, our monthly meetings consist of training as well. I mean, usually following our meeting, we have a member uh, themselves that actually puts together a class for the entire team and, uh, and in, her, in turn puts that information into the knowledge of everybody as well. So it's, it's, well, it's well orchestrated like that. We, are, we have a training officer that helps orchestrate that, make sure everything's where it needs to be. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it seems to work. I mean, people do take from it 
a lot, I hope. Uh, we put a lot of time into it, so I'm hoping that, you know, preparation is important. Yes. Um, and, and I think knowing the warning signs of certain things you could encounter or just, just being aware of what's out there, um, even from a textbook perspective, is more important than sending a person in with a K2 meter and say, go investigate. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like so the- do you have physical safety protocols as well? My friend Elaine would this would make me ask that, so that's why I'm asking. Do you have, you know, for like critters and germs and mold and that type of thing? Uh, yeah, actually, we do. Yeah, we do carry uh, respirators. And stuff like that for that sort of thing. Um, you know, we are prepared for that. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, certain members that they have um, a need for inhalers or whatever, obviously, they need to bring them. But we do take precautions. Uh, you know, our our, you know, our preliminaries uh, investigations they generally will help us give us some information regarding that uh, that sort of stuff. But uh, you know, you never know what you're going to encounter. So uh, people people bring their own needs what they need, and we, we our, our membership carries. Um, uh, basically, our, our directors and our assistant directors all carry um, what we call emergency rescue bags, I guess, mm-hmm. which uh, which will you know will incorporate uh, the basic supplies like band aids and and, and uh, you know antibiotic uh, creams and stuff like that, just in case someone does get uh, does get a cut or or you know we have uh, allergy medication that we carry for the membership just in case. Uh, we all carry uh, snap glow sticks if you're in a graveyard and you trip and you. You get, you know, you fall down a hole. At least you can mark the person so we can come back to them with a with a glow stick. I mean, we we take as many precautions as we can. And then you have the stuff from the spiritual, the uh, uh, more of the uh, you know dealing with the spirits and the things where you know if, if a person needs to be saved uh, because they're being affected by whatever might be in the uh, environment we're investigating, then we will take them outside and smudge them with those. So we carry that with us on hand. We don't have to go running for it. Our officers have it with them at all times. Um, which is which I find to be you know every second is important. So uh, you know I have a well, I have a background and uh, I was a firefighter for a long time. So a lot of mentality that I bring with me to uh, oh to the, yeah, fantastic. It carries in with that. So it's you know it, it seems to work. We, we we consider ourselves to be pretty well organized and uh, and we hope we're making a difference for a lot of people. So and we're not out there playing games. That's for sure. Sure. That I can show you. Um, as so, far as your, as far as when you do your investigations, you know, you got your different groups and you guys are all collecting your data and stuff like that. Do you like, do you put it all together in like a centralized kind of area so you can kind of look to see if there's consistencies or patterns in the places that you go to? Uh, uh, consistencies or patterns? I, yeah. I'm not so much consistencies or patterns. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm maybe not completely following what you're, you're asking there, but uh, I mean, we, we do have everything centralized on our website where where you can go and grab and, and be able to cross-check things, and if that's what you're getting at. I don't know if you, know, if you want to, uh, you know, when I assign a recording to a member, uh, you know, they have access to everything from that particular investigation so that they can cross-check photographs if necessary with here, or we have people doing that. We have people that, uh, that watch video for us. We have, uh, we have mm-hmm. people that, that, that do analysis of the uh, audio, and, uh, you know, and all that comes together uh, through gathering from our assistant directors who put it together into a package, and then it comes to me and it gets put into another package. It's, by the time it's all said and done, we've gone through and scrutinized it probably you know, five, six times. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking. I'm, I'm saying like more like you know, um, you know, you go into areas like sometimes you'll find that with low EMF fields you'll get uh, activity. With high EMF fields you get activity uh, certain times of the day, certain weather patterns. I mean, I was kind of talking more on that general kind of oh, okay, idea. I got you. You know what I'm saying? I, like if, we were talking about at the top of the show. Exactly. We're talking about more of a uh, keeping scientific data in a sense. Correct. Exactly. Uh, 
To be honest with you, no, we don't because every investigation is different. Uh, I mean, the conditions are different. The claims are different. Um, I find that uh, – I mean, I, I guess suppose it could be something that you could incorporate. Um, I think it would be very hard to organize it. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe you've done that. I mean, if, if you have, I'd like to talk to you about it after off air sometime <laughs> and, and see if there's some way you can get that in because, you know, we're always looking to improve. Um, and I would not be opposed to that because, um, you know, we do, we do look at mean conditions and things like that. So there are certain regular um, things that you would take in consideration. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I treat every, every investigation as an individual investigation. I mean, every client yeah. is special. Sure. Every client has needs. And uh, I can't base what I do in your home um, on what I did in the person before you's home because it might not necessarily work. I, I scrutinize the cases. I study the information. I, I get my questionnaires and I try to make sense of them for you know sometimes for hours. I mean it's crazy. I, you become addicted to it in a sense. Um, and and I really want to go into a, an investigation with some sort of plan, um, which usually falls apart within the first five minutes. But you know, yeah. you have an idea where you're going with it, you know, and and, and you go from there. Yeah. But you know, I think that knowledge is important. Um, and the more information you can gather about a place, then the better. But uh, not specifically for that reason, no. Okay. So I am a client who calls your team okay. and says, help, my house is haunted. Walk me right. through it. What, what are you going to do? All right. Well, what we do is uh, first off, you talk to me. Okay. Usually your conversation goes through me for the first uh, first you know 45 minutes, hour conversation, whatever you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and sometimes just listen to people. And sometimes that's all they need. I mean it doesn't even necessarily mm-hmm. come down to a, an investigation. Just might yeah, give I, I, I feel like a counselor sometimes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what it is, you know. So, uh, but in a situation where we deem that you uh, that you you might need us to uh, to come out and visit you, um, what I'll do is I'll take basic information from you, go through and make sure that the stuff you're telling me, at least from the first conversation, is uh, it doesn't seem to be anything that would be harmful or that our team could not be hand- you know, would not be able to handle. Okay, so at that point in time, uh, I take that information. I pass it off to Curry, who's actually sitting next to me here. So you can say hi, Curry. Hello. Um, and uh, she uh, she'll take the, the information that I give her and re, you know call back the client um, and basically review the entire questionnaire with them again, but but just sort of confirming that what they've told us the first time is accurate and the stories remain consistent. Sure. Okay. And also, you know, you know how it is. Once you talk to a person the first time, you talk to them a second or third or fourth time, they always find new details they can add for you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. We have multiple conversations. So uh, before I'd even come to your home for any kind of preliminary or even any kind of investigation, I probably would have spoken to you or with, with combination with coordinated with Curry, good four, five, six hours, probably on the phone if, if necessary, uh, in order to really give you peace of mind. And, and one thing we do is, uh, I just don't show up at a house and say, "Here I am." Uh, I believe that uh, in the paranormal world, half the battle is is in the mind. So uh, we will try and uh, and basically educate a client before even going. Great. Or give them some kind of idea how to protect themselves if that's need be. Um, to maybe give them some kind of uh, understanding that uh, that what they're dealing, you know, about what they might be dealing with. But you don't want to do it in any kind of way that's going to mess with their head. You want to do it in right. a way that's to. Uh, you know, uh, you know, make them make them feel comfortable with you and with your team. So by the time you actually arrive at their home, they're almost <clears> like a friend. If that makes sense. Sure, uh, absolutely. So we go through that. Uh, we've talked. We've got you the questionnaires. If necessary, we pull out our secondary questionnaire, which contains more of those questions you don't want to ask. If you know what I mean, okay? Um, you know, getting into <laughs> darker things that you don't necessarily want to deal with. But uh, you know, regardless, you have to be prepared for them. So uh, at that point in time, we'll set up a preliminary visit. Uh, go out and sit with the client for a couple hours, tell them about our process, sort of like we're doing right now, um, 
set up a uh, – we usually by that point, we already have our investigation date set. Um, if necessary, we'll go back and conduct the investigation. Uh, you know, if uh, at the particular time of the investigation, sometimes it may be necessary to try and, uh, and bless a home at that point in order to give them some peace of mind. Um, or go home, analyze the stuff, go back to them with an answer, give them their options. Um, it's pretty much the same as every other team works. I and mean, it's, uh, but we just do it systematically. We have, we have follow up sure. phone call. Um, it's not, uh, we investigate your house and never hear from us again. And we, we follow up the next day. We follow up at three days. We follow up at one week. We follow up at two weeks, four weeks. You see the trend. Um, until it gets to the point where the client's able to sustain their environment on their own. Um, and that they're, they're confident enough to, uh, to do that. So. And if necessary, we go back and we keep on going back until they are confident enough to do it. Well, yeah, yeah. I've seen. Yeah, I've seen in your one of the the things I was talking about was that you guys are thinking of, like, do you do a paranormal support group? Or are you thinking of doing that? I saw something written in your bio about that. Yeah, we uh, we we started one. We had uh, we had initiated um, the whole process and had a date set up at at a library over the side here, uh, over on the east coast here, and uh, it was it was central New Jersey, but. Um, <laughs> Turned out that Hurricane uh, Sandy came and had different plans for us. Uh, ended up shutting down that entire part of the state. Um, and and to be honest with you, we never rescheduled it because uh, you know it just hasn't really come to play. But uh, right. we actually were discussing it that um, coming into the new year that we were going to probably try and reinitiate that idea. Um, and yeah, and, and that comes back to what we're what you're saying with follow ups with people. It's uh, you know, I, I think that it, uh, that it, we can do so much as paranormal investigators. We can do so much as a team to assist uh, our clients. But sometimes they need each other. And what I mean by that is is uh, kind of like an AA in, in a sense or, or any kind of support group along that lines where they go and they introduce themselves and they say, hey, um, I am who I am. This is what happened to me. And, you know, they rub ideas off each other and see if maybe mm-hmm. something that they're doing can help each other. Um, right. and, they, and they also realize there's other people just like them. That they aren't alone with their with their fight, um, what they're trying to overcome. So, uh, and I think that we were just trying to be, uh, try basically trying to be the facilitators of that to be present. Um, hopefully, learn something from them because that comes back to your trend uh, in a way. Uh, if, if four or five clients come in and they each say that they've done a certain thing and it seems to work, we learn from that. Right, exactly. So, yeah, like a pattern and stuff. Yeah, correct. Exactly. So that would come back to your pattern that you were discussing mm-hmm. earlier, I guess. Right. So. Exactly. Now, I had a question. I want to go back to the psychic medium involvement for a second. Thank you. Very you good. Are so uh, we got all cracked, didn't we? Yeah, we, we got problem. all there. But, I mean, I was just curious uh, because I run a team, and I'm thinking of, of doing the same thing next year is trying to f- find someone that would like to be involved with us so I can see that how that works with the with our other end of the scientific end of it, whatever you want to call it. Um, but... Um, how do you how do you approach it? I mean, my question, I guess, would be: Do you do this? Do let's just say medium. So I don't say keep saying psychic medium. Let's say a medium. Do they go in first? Uh, do a walkthrough? No. You know, so like you're asking, they, you're asking. Yes, they do. That that's too full questionnaire. Actually, yes, they do. I, I can see where you're going with that. Uh, first person into a house is always me. Okay. I, I lead my team in. Um, everybody and, and my, Carrie will tell you that uh, I believe that safety. Um, and, you know, I take the responsibility going in. I always give a survey of the house, make sure it looks like it's a safe environment for the team. Right. Make sure I'm not walking in on scene any crossing, hanging upside down. You know, the obvious stuff. You know, right. checking for things. Make sure things seem to be legitimate from what the claims were, um, and so forth. So, and then you know, uh, Perry's usually there, and she'll come in second. And then we have our other people waiting outside um, until we give them the clear to come in. Once we okay. come in, our, our sensitives generally are not told anything about the home whatsoever right. in reference to the uh, actual um, claims. The uh, reason that is is because while 
like I mentioned to you, we're, we're, I believe we're a well-oiled machine. Um, everybody knows their job. So when you get out of the car, you know your technical, you know your data, you know your safety. Um, and once we get our preliminary walkthrough with the client complete, each of the different teams that's there, every member knows their job, they start doing their particular job. The sensitives right. will walk around with me with a voice recorder at that particular time before they've been compromised um, and give me their feelings in a home on voice recorder so we can go back and try and validate that um, as the investigation goes on. Um, once the investigation starts, they actually become, uh, I always hate to say this, and I, and I hope I don't offend you um, by saying this, but I sort of look at them as being a, uh, like, almost like a K2 meter in a sense. Okay. Ah, oh. I, I know you don't want to hear oh. that. I have to say it. I have to say it. I have to say it. I have to explain myself. I have to say it because you know, because they are you know your gift is a tool. I mean when when you're running a team that is it based on is. data. Yeah. Okay, when you're running a team that's based on data, it's important to back up their claims with data. So I don't you know I can't walk in and and have every sensitive come in and saying I see a man standing in the corner over there and take that as being law. So I have to be able to validate that. So, in a sense, they're giving me what a K2 meter would give me or a particular photograph or if you use a, a spirit box or, or, or whatever. I mean, you're, you're giving you a way of communicating. So, sensitive believes there's a man standing there. You try and certify with your equipment whether there's a man actually standing there. So, so we incorporate that. Okay? Yeah. And that's, that's sort of how we look at it. So, yeah, that's uh, my, that was, yeah that, you answered my question good because I was trying to figure out, you know, did they go in first? Did they go in with you? Did they go in afterwards? You know, because you don't want to get too much of a, I mean, you have a thought process as is as far as claims and history, but you don't want to get too much too much ahead of time because you want to kind of leave yourself open to actually looking for yourself to see what's really going on before you kind of like start getting that mindset, oh, I should be looking for this or I should be looking for that, you know what I'm saying? You know, everybody is sensitive. Um, and any, any given day, any one of us could have uh, could have that, that feeling come through. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. has a sense, mm -hmm. everybody has instinct, initiative. So when you go into a uh, you know, into a building and, and something's telling you not to go into a room, that's there's a reason for that. So right. you know, everybody needs to address that kind of thing. And when you know each other as a team, I mean, we hang out and you uh, and, and you know each other, like I said, like family. You know, they can tell when something's wrong with me, or I can tell when something's wrong with them. So so we're able to watch each other's backs. Um, having mm -hmm. sensitives come in um, and 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 utilize their gifts. Um, it's it's a just a, it's a wonderful addition to any kind of organization like that. I mean, I think they're 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 essential. I mean, they they obviously. Um, we we try to give them an opportunity to uh, to express themselves and to develop their their abilities. Um, I, I, if you've been given the gift, you might as well use it. But everybody has it, so any yeah. given day, any one of us could be that person. True. That's and, true. And, you, know, you know, I go in. I go in first, and one of the things that I do that I think helps our team is I tell them where to point the cameras because I go in and I pick things up and I sort of figure out what's going on there and then ask them where they should you know so when they come in our team now knows where to point the cameras where they can put recording devices things like that that that's a good perspective i i generally base camera placement on on claims um i mean it's uh you know if, if a person says they've seen a figure walking across the living room then you can guarantee you're gonna have a camera on that living room i mean that's so if they sure. show more on the claims of the client rather than what an actual member would be saying uh, once we're investigating uh, like i mentioned the uh sensitive Anything they say, although it doesn't become, you know, by any means law um, or, or something that has to be adhered to, you, you try to uh, um, to incorporate their ideas in because if they're saying that they feel a man there, well, then you're going to try addressing a man in the room. So, that, so it's more right. from that afterwards rather than initially uh, mm -hmm. with us. 
Mm-hmm. All very valid. So um, Chad has a question in chat. Okay. And he wants to know how you deal with clients who are obviously mentally unstable. <laughs> That's a tough question because uh, you, know, you really can't walk into a house and call them. Uh, you can't walk in and say, um, you know, you're, you're crazy. Okay. So uh, as much as you might like to sometimes. So uh, it, you know, it's a long process with them and uh, and, and you it's it's a tough it's tough because every situation is different but to be honest with you uh, you deal with a client like that um as need be i mean you know, I, I have sure we felt that we felt were uh were a little unstable and, and we still give them the benefit of doubt and do an investigation but while we're there we um we will try and um i, I mean educate them a little bit on psychic protection um try to find a way to word it nicely that maybe they need to be you know <laughs> reconsider themselves a little bit if you know what I mean but <laughs> you really can't come out and call a person crazy you can't do that because I'm not a doctor I'm not a psychiatrist no, uh, no. I use the word can't. safe therapeutic setting a lot yeah I guess so you know you <laughs> have to give them the benefit of doubt you know I mean yeah and you have to go in with the, you know and you never and the membership knows that everybody as you should know you don't want to go anywhere and uh, and admonish them or make them feel bad about themselves sure. you, know, you want to, you want to well, try and uh, reinforce them just because someone is mentally unstable does not mean that they are not. Ex- I mean, you know, if the two aren't mutually exclusive. As a matter of fact, I sometimes wonder if mental instability may create an energy that draws that. I mean, I guess in a situation where I would do the investigation, um, and if it did come out with nothing, I simply would report nothing to claim. No, no evidence was gathered at this particular yeah. time, and, and I would state in, the, I would simply state in the final conclusion that. Uh, that although um, we didn't find any particular evidence at that particular time, that doesn't say that your house does not have activity. It just means they weren't there when we were there. Yeah, we so, do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do that. Yeah, we do that a lot too because you get not just people that are unstable, but you get people who just want to believe that there's mm-hmm. paranormal activity going on, and they're not going to take that five minutes thinking you can give them something. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're not going to take no for an answer. So you got to be very careful about that. Well, you right. get people who watch a lot of t- paranormal television yes. and who want to feel like they're um that they've got something special going on yes yeah right. because it's a way of saying hey look at me it's kind of an attention you know what i mean right, right. Yeah. well either yeah. that or they're just aiming to be on like my ghost story or something well, they, if they think if they think we're going to get them on tv they got something coming to them but uh, i know you know, I mean, we're a little, little scrawny uh, NJ Rope uh, from New Jersey, you know. But uh, you know, hey, maybe someday we'll get our chance. And I'm not out for that reason, though. You know, that that's not that's not what I'm doing this for. Uh, I mean, we're 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 purists. Uh, you know, we're grunts. We get out there and we try and make a difference for people. Whether we're doing the right thing or not, that'll be determined when we meet the maker, I guess. But uh, um, as of right now, I want to help people, and uh, and and I think that. Uh, as a team, we are all gifted individuals. We've met each other for a particular reason, um, and uh, you know, we're meant to work with each other at, while the calling is there. And when that calling is no longer there, you'll know it. And- no, I see. Yeah, that's true. I, I see that you guys have training next uh, for next what next year um, recruits in January. How, how do you how how do you how do recruits come about? Do you post an ad? Do they just come to you? I mean, how's that work? We- we do a lot of uh, – the, the way our year works, our fiscal year uh, it breaks down is, is uh, January is our training. January to June is our training period, um, but also as, you know, as investigations as they come in, we deal with them. Um, but that's our training period. And then from July until um, I guess it would be September, um, we're, we're active investigations. Okay, September, mm-hmm. October, 
um, November, we start doing our lectures. Um, we start doing our, um, uh, you know, our, our different, uh, usually around that time of year is when all these people want all of the events around Halloween. Yeah, it's the busy okay. season. So it, it, it should <laughs> yeah. be here a little bit. While we're at those places, we hand out pamphlets, we'll hand out, you know, and, and we might end up getting 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people that are interested in a group. Um, and at that point in time, um, because we've done these events, I mean, I have people that are talking to them. So I, I ask them to, uh, to be honest with their assessment of people. And if they feel a person is that crazy person you're talking about, then obviously yeah. that's not a person I'm going to call, you know? You, um, you, but uh, if they come along and they say there's this awesome guy who came in and he seems like he knows his crap and uh, he really wants to uh, really wants to help out and do things, you know, he might get a phone call and become part of that next year's class. Now, do you guys, do you do you take like, say you had a client and now they want to be part of the group. Is that acceptable or is that something I, you try I, to stay away from? We have several now. We we do have several members of our team that are uh, that are former clients or active clients in a way. I find that um, they have something to contribute. I mean, they they not only have they experienced the investigative process. As long as I feel that they're able to maintain their environment, um, and by coming into an environment investigating, that they're not going to be at risk of bringing something home with them, uh, I will let them join. Um, but uh, I, I like to uh, I like to keep them on board because they they can be a valuable asset when it comes to dealing with another client. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, they've experienced it. So we, we do have yes. several members of the team that are former member, or former uh, clients, or I guess active clients. And the fact that their clients um, allows us to, uh, you know, being their members as well, allows us to uh, to have a quicker response for them if things seem to stir up in their house a little bit as well. So you take care of your own, you know, and that's that's a benefit for them. So um, and, then, and also they get the education end of it um, because mm -hmm. a lot of times these people want the education. So. Um, they, they come on board, they go through our classes, they, uh, they take away some knowledge and that knowledge is, uh, hopefully what they're, what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's good like, question. Like a win, it's like a win-win. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's symbiotic relationship. You know, they, they, they learn something from us and we learn something from them. So it works very well. Cool. Oh, see now John and chat. John mm -hmm. C says he is a new recruit. He found you at Mount Holly. He okay. loves it so far. And the team is amazing. Thank you, John. Thanks, Appreciate John. that. Yeah, yeah that's. Uh, it's not, I tend to agree with him, but. <laughs> and and you can pay him out. You can pay him after the show. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. Cut the, cut the check there, Frank. So my chat room's not even working, so I'm not even seeing this. Oh uh, well, there you go. That's why I read it for you. So here's what we're gonna do. We're at the top of the hour. We need to go to a break. When we come back, I want to know if you have some spooky stories for us. Uh, we'll see what we can come up with. I, uh, okay, we'll see what we can do. Fantastic. So let's do this. We're going to go to break. Um, we'll come back. We're talking to Frank, and we are going to hear some spooky stories about what NJ Rope has done. So everybody stick around. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. We'll be right back. Awesome. This weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, 
crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Visit us today at ParanormalUnderground.net and get a 12-month digital subscription for 15% off the cover price.
Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. It's me, Karen, and sitting in with me tonight is Chuck Gotsky. It's me. That's right. It's Chuck. So, it's me. you know. With Rick gone, I realize I'm having to do the heavy lifting. I'm having to do the intros and the outros. I'm going to be exhausted. I'm sorry. I wasn't no. trained for that. You weren't trained for that. You're, you're, you still have your training wheels on. It'll be okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, we'll have you come back. You're, you're a good co-host. We'll bring you back as our co-host again. Why, thank you. Yes, but I still won't sing to you. Okay, so we are... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we still have our guest with us, Frank Lazaro from... NJ Rope. Paranormal. Hello, Hello. And also with Frank is Carrie, you're gonna have to say your last name for me so I don't say it wrong. <laughs> That's it's Maroney. Maroney. Ah, I see, thought that was Maroney. Right. Yeah, I thought right. that was right, but I just wanted you to make sure. You would be one of the few to actually pronounce it correctly. Really? Yeah, <laughs> you won't believe the variations I get. Oh, uh, you know, well, okay, so my last name is Frazier, and you would think that that is, like, the easiest name for people to read and pronounce. Oh, no. Frazier, Frazier, it's just... <laughs> I usually so, get, can I, when they call me, can I speak to Carrie, and then it's, like, silence, because you know they're trying to think of how to pronounce it, and then I get Morney. I'm like, yeah, you kind of forgot the O in there. It's like, uh, phonetics, hooked on phonics, people. I had uh, I have a friend. Her, her last name is Saint Peter, and she says she'll get people who call and ask to talk to Mrs. De Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my lord! I know, isn't that hilarious? I think you messed that up. That's Stip- Peter. Yeah. So it could it could always be worse. Okay, so Frank, yes, did you think some good spooky stories for us? Well. Uh, put me on the spot. Okay, no, uh, I warned you when we went to break so that you weren't yeah. on the spot. I know, but there's so <laughs> many of them. Now. <laughs> well, what, what do you define as spooky? Because, I mean, we've all had experiences in, in our investigations. I mean, uh, I mean, the things we've seen, um, the things we've done. I mean, we've dealt with clients uh, – where where we've I've seen people get scratched right in front of me. I mean, you know, I mean, you got that perspective, and then you have uh, you walk into a room and seeing that uh, that holy grail standing there, you know, in front of you. So it's uh, uh, yeah. you know, and we've I've encountered that a few times. Um, that's part of the reason why I got into the field because I had uh, had an experience like that. So, um, you know, so but so I guess uh, from an investigation point of view, I mean, places like Fort Mifflin, um, yeah. you got. Uh, Certain areas of the fort where they would house, um, the, obviously, it was used as a prison for um, for Confederate soldiers uh, at one point in time. And one of our members, uh, uh, one of our assistant directors, has had the experience of of being a uh, an attractive little short, uh, yeah, I guess, like reddish hair girl walking into one of the casemates, as they call them, in there, and uh, and actually uh, had some advances. Sort of made towards her um, yeah. in, in an area where there would be, you know, possibly, uh, you know, some of the less desirables been housed in. Um, sure. So, yeah, those those kind of things. But you know, what, what you ask me, what kind of experience you want me to talk to you about? Oh, a- you know, I so so most things. I I the only things that I find scary on investigations are like things from humans. <laughs> You know, I get startled, but I don't get scared. But I know our listeners like to hear kind of ghosty stories. So, right. you know, um, like, right. give me the an experience that just 
caught you by surprise. How about that? All right. Well, that, that I can do. Um, we, we were at a place called the Summer Mansion, which is, um, I, I guess it's on, um, it's, it's over here in Pennsylvania side, um, on our Pennsylvania area. And, uh, you know, I, I had been with, with one of our sensitives and, uh, we were doing our preliminary sweep I'd mentioned to you about. And, uh, when she came around the corner, she looked up the steps. She saw a woman standing there with, uh, with, um, with her daughter, with a little child. Uh, looked like a child. One of them was a daughter. We assumed it was a daughter um, at the time. So naturally, uh, we pursued. Um, and the only thing we had was a voice recorder. There really wasn't much else with the gun. We didn't have cameras or anything with us. But uh, and we did pursue, and uh, turned out that we you know, obviously we, we weren't able to to locate her again that time. But when we came back downstairs, I looked to my left into one of the rooms in the building itself, and actually saw a, uh, a full body walk. Apparition walked straight across the room, um, literally. I mean, like it was a person in the room. And it hits you like a bolt of lightning when you see it. Hit, that, like it? A, the goosebumps and the chills. And <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. It's, uh, so uh, yeah, it's uh, so we we uh, we we walk you know, walk into the room and, uh, and you look over to your your left and you see this figure walking across and and uh, and, and it wasn't like it was a blink of an eye. It was you know, she was there for a good five seconds, yeah. five six. Seconds. I mean, and you know, and she was wearing a uh, a white uh, a white nightgown. Uh, wasn't like your your Victorian kind of dress. It was more like a silky, you know, straight nightgown. Um, and and it turned out that she walked straight ahead. And I saw her from because it was behind a bed. I saw her from basically the I guess it would be like mid mid leg uh, up to across up to her head. Um, and she walked in. And as you know, as I stood there, she eventually faded out. And uh, it seemed like she was walking into the wall. So. Upon further investigating into the building, we uh, we noticed that uh, that particular room um, there was a bed, as I mentioned right there, um, and uh, behind the bed was a tarp that was covering a door. So so it was almost like we actually saw this figure. I actually saw this figure walking across the room in through that door. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a door at the time because it was blocked. Oh, cool. So that was pretty interesting to be able to validate that. But what even more spooky, in a sense, well, a reference to it was, is we we uh, did a little research on the place through talking to uh, to the the uh, the keeper of the of the home, and um, and uh, once we uh, once we, we we started talking to them, we um, we discovered that the history turned out that there was uh, possibly of a woman and a child who were killed in a carriage ride many many years ago. Uh-huh. So it was kind of neat to coordinate the actual evidence what we had seen. Well, again, nothing more than a personal experience because we didn't validate right. it anything. Okay, sure. The personal experience like that um, with uh, with history and 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 just you know seeing the actual layout of a home. So that that's a pretty neat experience. Uh, it's definitely stuck cool. with me. Stuck yeah, with me. Yeah. Yeah. Gives you you know when you see that kind of thing, it really changes you. Right. You know, you, it does. You realize that there's more to it than meets the eye, literally. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you have things, you know, where where we, you know, we like to um, to uh, try and assist clients with uh, with their homes if necessary, and you know, and sometimes getting into a home blessing or, or some kind of spirit rescue, if you want to call it, whatever you would like to call it, um, uh, you know, house clearing. Um, you, you get in, you see some things that happen there where you know some strange experiences happening where you know we have. Uh, you know, one place where, you know, pots and pans started banging, you know, that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah. things along those lines where you have uh, strange experiences like that, um, that certainly will uh, will change you too. 
So well, they startle you if nothing else. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah right. they make you aware. Yeah, and the beautiful yeah. thing about it is, is you know that feeling in a house after you've done this. Um, yeah, feeling of fulfillment. Number one, that you've that you've accomplished something. You feel you know because the house, but having that that particular situation where the pots and pans were going, um, actually that you could feel the atmosphere change in the home afterwards, mm-hmm. which was you know was something that I had never really. Um, I mean, you, you always. You want to experience that. You want, you know, but you, you feel the energy um, and, and have the energy just switch when you like that. And, and it's like peace. Well, that's over. because that's a huge release of psychokinetic energy for something like right. that to happen. So that makes absolute sense. So, hey, I have a question for you guys from Rick and Chat. It's a two parter. Um, okay. Do you have any experience with the Jersey Devil or stories about it? And also, what is the Jersey Devil supposed to be? Oh, thank God you asked that question because I wanted to Well, ask. that's a tough one. Uh, you know what? The person who can answer that question is not here with us tonight. But, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, we actually have one of our members who did a uh, – Katie, that, that little redhead I was telling you about earlier. Um, she actually did an entire paper for us for our group um, – on the Jersey Devil, and uh, it's a lead family, right? The leads. It's the uh, leads family. Basically, what the main basis of the story is is Mrs. Leeds was pregnant with her thirteenth child. Oh and my god, I'm exhausted thinking she about was it. Pretty much <laughs> done childbirth and fed up, and said something like, "Let this one be a devil." Yeah. And she gave birth to so many different descriptions, but the basic one had. You know, cloven hooves, the the head of a horse or something, and bat wings. Ouch! And flies all around the pine lands. Um, which which are not that far from us, really. We're right. only we're only about a half hour from the pine lands. Um, right. Pine barrens where they're located. Sorry. Um. So, uh, you know, so uh, us having an experience with the Jersey Devil? No, never. But we've been to places where there's been claims. Uh, for instance, the Absecon Lighthouse is a, is a as a, one of the. Uh, the local haunts um, on this end, um, and a uh, place like that, one of their major claims was back, I don't even know the year 1903 or something, it was many years ago, um, but they had a claim that the Jersey Devil came and was uh, seen on top of the actual light itself. So, um, you know, it, it's folklore, it's stories, it's what you believe. Um, I have a couple of friend, personal friends of mine who are definitely afraid of him. I mean, really? they, never, you know, yeah, they just, they just, uh, they don't like the very sound of his of his name, Jersey Devils. I mean, it's a uh, so you know from that, it's more of a more of a story, a folklore thing. But yeah, right. you encounter the Jersey Devil. No, I don't think I don't think we'll ever meet the Jersey Devil. I mean, possible, you never know. But uh, yeah, it's it's based on a lot of story, uh, and there are groups out there that do search for the Jersey Devil. They will walk through the pine sure. barrens, make a routine job of going looking for him. So, I hear uh, the Pine Barrens are kind of a weird place. Mm-hmm. They are a very weird place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was an understatement, kind of a weird place. <laughs> yeah, they are a very weird place. They're unique. Um, it's, it's a, uh, the atmosphere is, is, is uh, it's a little different. It's a little nerve-wracking, actually, um, mm. when you go there. You kind of get that eerie feeling like you're constantly being watched in the Pine Barrens. It's, it's really... Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange strange environment, and you know it's it, it you know who knows what's there. I mean, there there we we've done investigations on the fringe of the pine barrens and graveyards that are located along them, and uh, um and you know we've gotten some you know some pretty decent activity along there. But to say we've actually had anything directly related to the pine barrens itself, no. I mean, it's just probably more like you say you hear the stories yeah. and, and sort of you walking in expecting it, precognition. Well, yeah. You know? 
I also think that I've heard that there are a lot of very interesting characters who live in the Pine Barrens. Well, that is true, too. You want to talk about the living, okay? The living, the living are a little different than the, than the, uh, the spiritual. Yes, there, there, there are, there are um, yes, a lot of shady characters like to hang out in the Pine Barrens, yes. Yeah. You don't want to go anywhere alone in the Pine Barrens after dark. That's you know, at least my impression. Good to know. So yeah. another question is, can you talk about a few of the best EVPs you've ever captured? Wow. Uh, we've we've captured quite a few of those. Um, I mean, it's – we actually Yeah, they're kind of, of our bread and butter, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. really, that's, you know, there you are. I mean, you capture 99% of your evidence as EVPs. Um, the uh, – gosh, I mean, there's been so many. We actually, we, we actually do an evidence display um, with a lot of EVPs, and uh, we – I think one of the most clear and one of my favorites is the Hello Governor. Hello Governor, yeah, Fort Mifflin. That's a good one. Very brought up there. Now we, uh, one of our members of myself, were just walking across, more paying attention to anything, just just having a general conversation, walking across Fort Mifflin, one of our many visits there, and um, and you hear uh, an English little English woman say, "Hello Governor." Oh my God, I love it. Out of nowhere. Uh, so that, that's, that's exactly how I heard it in my head when you said "Hello, Governor." That's exactly how it sounded. Hello, Governor. Exactly how it sounded. Sounds like a little old, older woman going "Hello, Governor." Yeah, that's it exactly is. how I heard it in my head. So that's hilarious. <laughs> that's 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 probably one of our best. I, I have yeah. to say, I agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, you hear one. Of course, one of the ones that I captured. Um, I had on my real time recorder on with the headphones, and mm-hmm. in this this house that was being split into apartments and we were in the section where they were, it was under construction and there were no windows open every once in a while, me and the two members on my team that night were feeling like little drafts here and there, nothing ice cold, like a, a a quick breeze and then it was gone. So then I asked, well, if that was you and not the air conditioner, can you do it again? Um, and you know, there was a couple of sentences said after that. And then all of a sudden I hear a whisper go, yes, miss. Oh, cool. And of course I had the headphones on, so I couldn't tell. And I'm like, uh, was that one of you guys? And they're like, what? I'm like, did somebody just whisper? And they said, no. So I had gotten an immediate response. I and love I heard- those responsive EVPs. Those are, those are fantastic. We had, uh, I got, got two more stories for you with them. Uh, EVPs okay. in the mind. Um, we had uh, an investigation of private home. And this one relates to the actual history of the house, so just bear with me for a second on this. Uh, we had a we had a, an investigation was located on the edge of um, which battle was it? Mammoth uh, Mammoth Battlefield. What we're talking about uh, it was which battle was one of the battlefields up north, Mammoth Battlefield, I believe it was. Um, but anyway, uh, was on the edge of it, and being a, a Revolutionary War uh, battle, it was uh, located on a road that. Um, that was believed to have been a transit area for the uh, wounded soldiers to be brought back to the back for, for treatment in the uh, field hospitals. Okay. So um, we were, uh, we're, we had a recorder set up in a room and we actually captured a residual. It wasn't any kind of intelligent response. It was more of a residual response, but uh, it, it, uh, knowing the history of the place, um, being located where there were, were, Field hospitals and such. It actually was a response. It sounded like a uh, uh, a male saying, uh, "Try some soup," Mama said. Okay, and the unique thing about it was that, a commercial. It, it sounds like it does sound like <laughs> it. I was going to say that. 
it, it, clearly an EVP. Um, and, and, and the thing about it was, is if you think about the history of a field hospital, um, what would be something that a, would be a large, easy to make meal? For sure. Soup. Okay, so it kind of played into the whole fact that this is where they had kept the field tents. Um, that would have cool. made sense. That would have been something that could have come through in that particular area as residual energy. So um, sure. that was capture that. Um, and the other what was the other one? The um, uh, the last one, the last one I had was uh, we did an investigation at the old Burnersville Library. I don't know if you ever heard of that um, place, but that's and we have a couple yeah, a couple of great photographs we captured there. But uh, and and they sort of play into this particular EVP. Um, this was um, an intelligent. Um, and it showed that they uh, um, that the spirits in the building probably were familiar with each other's presence. But uh, we were, it was up on a, on a second floor, and the team wasn't anywhere near them. But you hear a female clearly speak out and say, "Let's freak them all out." Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> I love it. And, and you know, and and to hear that EVP come through, and we're like, "Wow, that's pretty cool." And, and and I'm not exactly sure how it all coordinated with the pictures, but I'd be willing to put money down on the fact that the photographs we captured. Um, and they've actually been used in books. And I mean, uh, Brad Steiger cool. um, incorporated them in one of his books. I mean, they're they're, oh, they're all yeah. awesome photographs. Uh, I was on Huffington Post uh, as being compared against a lot of the world famous pictures. Some of them are so, they on uh, your website? They are. They are. Yeah, they are. Um, so uh, the uh, this particular uh, spirits in the particular in the house, they they seem to uh, allow us to take not one but three photographs of them in the in a, in a short period of time. In the same location, so that was so. If that's their idea of freaking us out, was they kind of failed, but uh, because <laughs> because obviously that wasn't going to freak us out. It was it was uh, it was like quite exhilarating actually to capture. You know, most groups would go into a place looking for one photograph over a period of 100 investigations, and and lucky if they capture it, catch it. Well, when you go into one place and you capture three at one time, um, and yeah, that's run, great. It's, it's pretty amazing photograph. So it was uh, you know that was that was great um, that we had we got lucky to. Uh, to get that and you know, that experience all coordinated but, but we have, have a lot of them well i have one more when we had the disciplined boys um we were at fort mott and frank katie and i were walking through a pass-through tunnel from one section of the fort to the other both katie and frank had their headphones on with their real-time recorder and i was just holding one with no headphones on and we got to about the middle of the tunnel and all of a sudden you hear hey and I turned around and I looked at Frank, like it took Katie a second to realize what happened. And he and I looked at each other. And I'm like, did you hear that? And we got a disembodied voice saying, hey, and I heard it with my own ears. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about doing the real time stuff. And you can do it with some of the recorders now. You can do it. Um, I know Ghost Stop has like the real time EVP recorders. And then you can do it also like with the H2 and the H4 and things like that. And I think it's a really valuable addition to investigation is to be able to listen in real time. The uh, only thing we found with it was is, um, that when we, we were generally we were using our, like, for instance, I would carry one. Um, and I found that I was concentrating more on the actual recordings and trying to hear things and paying attention to the safety of the team. So yeah. uh, I kind of lost my focus on, you know, I was listening for things and I, would, and I came to realize that, wait a minute, um, sort of losing track of things for a little bit. So. Well, and also, too, it, it makes everything louder. So it distorts your perception of right. where the sound is coming from. Like I may think it's coming to my, my left and I'm looking and it actually came to my right. So it just wasn't 
So we uh, we officers don't use them now. We generally let uh, you know the uh, the you know our membership um, they'll wear them if, if they choose yeah. to. Um, just to keep our, because I think that uh, as leaders, uh, my first priority is to, uh, to maintain the integrity of the group. So, uh, sure, absolutely. Myself, yeah, a little taken away from that. But, yeah, we love yeah. them, though. We have several of them. Great tool. Yeah, I think they're a fantastic tool. I like them a lot. Um, so, Carrie, when we were on break, um, you and I were talking because I just did my Reiki, first Reiki certification this weekend, and you're a Reiki master. And I was saying, you know, my hope is that it has some applications for paranormal investigation. And your response is it absolutely does. So could you explain that a little bit on the air? I mean, it it being in tuned um, to the energy that we call up doing energy healing, doing Reiki, mm-hmm. um, you just sense things. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way <laughs> to explain it. Um I mean, I don't want to make it sound like all of a sudden, you know, you become attuned in Reiki and you can sense and feel beings and that. It's it's not so much that. Sometimes you can feel a shift in the energy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was a, a Reiki master prior to joining the group. Um, and I don't know if this really has anything to do with it, but I am quite sensitive to EMF, as everybody mm. in my tent, uh, uh, you know, save for me. Um, there's this one particular house we went to a couple of times in central Jersey and their laundry room has a very, very high concentration of EMF because the heater's in there and everything. And I really couldn't go in that room much. Interesting. Like I went in real quick and I had to leave because I feel the pressure on my head and start getting a headache. Um, we have, pieces of equipment that our tech manager made, um, the EMF, uh, EM pumps. the EMF pumps. And if they set them up, they make sure I'm nowhere near them, you know, and they'll mm-hmm. let it run. And then if I have to go and investigate, they'll shut it off and, you know, we'll wait and then I'll go in. Interesting. That, wow. that can affect me. And there are people that are sensitive to it, you know, I yeah. mean, you get so many different, you know, uh, symptoms from it, you know, headache, nausea, paranoia, you know, just to name a few. So honestly, like I said, I don't know if that's because of the Reiki or if that's something I've always been sensitive to and I never really realized it until I joined the group. We had mentioned also the, uh, the fact of how you use it when you're dealing with a client, an individual client. So you need- Yeah, I mean, it, it's – if they, they – I've had a client – um, get upset and I have, you know, kind of used it to calm them. You, you just put your hand on them and it, it, you know, they, they calm down and I've used it on our members, mm-hmm. you know, after if they've had an experience and they were upset or, you know, they felt not of themselves, I right. would use that to help bring them back. Yeah, you know, dealing with uh, dealing with individual clients who might be stressed or, or in, in turmoil or have things that might be attached to them or a thought form or something we mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you could use the uh, the Reiki to assist with the more or less appealing back of the layers. Yes, um, right. Pull the energy off. You know, use Reiki to uh, to get to the, the to find out where where attachment might be. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true because you have your your hands are very sensitive and you can pick that kind yeah. of stuff up. Yeah. Right. 
I was yeah. curious as far as like the you say you're real sensitive to EMF. Do you? I mean, when when that happens, are there like millimeters or whatever you use? C- can you actually coincide that to see that you know that's actually happening? You know what I'm saying? Oh so, yeah, yes. oh yeah. I mean, you okay. know, it's like we we've gotten to the point where you know it's like God, it's you know my head, and they'll hold the the millimeter up to where, and they'll be like, you know, if it's a, a power box like 162 or whatever. Really. Okay. Well, one so thing we, do you get like a throbbing head then, or something? Is that what it? How it affects not, you? Not throbbing. I mean, I wouldn't say throbbing where it's unbearable, but sure. it it starts to bother me. Okay. We um we do a preliminary sweep in the house, so we're able to identify a lot of those areas prior. Um, so we have an idea where you know where to expect uh, higher levels of EMF, uh, uh, what temperature fluctuations in the house, many things that you know we're able to uh to pinpoint. It was part of our uh, data sweep uh, we keep track of um, we pretty much write it all down I mean it's all written down documented so we can use that during the investigation and also afterwards um, if you talk about EMF um, be able to present that information to a client um, in order to tell them hey listen number one the EMF could affect you, it could affect you physically as we right. Right? which is obviously affects curry um, number two is is uh, EMF is a food source. I mean, you think about you take away the EMF, sure. you take away some of the possibility of some of the different haunts that are taking place. So, right. um, so we we will use that as a tool um, in order to. Uh, um, so I guess you know it all comes together. Um, it's it all ties together into a big package. Really, it's right. just, you know it's just one part of it. it. And we're learning more. I mean, Curry hasn't really used it as much as we would like her it to. It's uh, right. uh she's learning how to. to I think that from my watching her over the last couple of years she's been with us, um, I think she came in with one expect, set of expectations um, and uh, and over time developed an ability to, to not only be an investigator but be a leader with the team. Um, but uh, now she's at the point where she's starting to incorporate her gift, um, starting to right. find a way to get past the you – know, I understand the equipment, I understand how that works, I understand how to lead a team through a building, and understand what I need to do to, do to keep my membership safe, so forth and so on. Now we're starting to incorporate her gift more into it because we're also running into cases where it's necessary too. Sure. So carry so this. So the fact where, you know, I would just come in and be like, okay, well, I think I can do this and I'm going to come into every investigation and try that. It's, I had to learn how to be an investigator first. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I understand. You know, and, and develop all that before, like Frank says, starting to even attempt to see what my gifts can do to help the team. So I have a question, Carrie. Does Frank ever yeah. equate you to like a walking mail meter, like a tool? that actually comes from is that um i worked in nonprofits for a long time and i ran i ran a volunteer program and um when we would do the volunteer training and nonprofits would say something about using volunteers people would get really upset. And I think that's where that semantics comes from me because you don't use people, you involve them. So anyway, it's just my stupid thing. So, I'm, so I basically involve my senses like a K2 needle then. Yes, you involve yeah. them like a K2. See, yeah, that's what I was getting to, see? Okay, so does that, make, does that make it a little better, a little smoother now? No, it's, I mean, it's just, it's so silly, and I know that. I was actually, when I when I originally said it, I was ribbing Chuck a little bit because, you now, know. If I had the gift you have, I probably would feel the same way. I mean, I can say everybody has a little bit, but I'm more of a grunt. Um, you have to show it to me by, so we got there's nobody knows if any of the tools we use actually work. 
Okay. Yeah, we, absolutely. We, we sort of make this up as we go along. Okay. okay really be honest. Do. Yeah, it works. Okay. And we all believe that spirits give off energy and that we have these wonderful meters our electricians use and we can tell where a spirit's standing right in front of us. That but there might be a bunch nothing more than a bunch of crap. Okay. But, but yeah, but we, we make the most of it because it's all we have. Okay. Yep. So when you, when you take that information there and you and you take what your your people that you have in the group you can contribute and you you put it all together, it kind of comes out in the end. I mean, that, and that's that's where you want to be. All you can do is just utilize the tools you have. So, so right. I never pay disrespect by saying a sensitive, but you know, being no, a, I know. A, a scientific guy, for lack of better words, because again, there's no scientific process whatsoever with what we do. Okay, we kind of make that up as we go along too, but. Uh, we all say we're using the scientific approach with investigating, um, but the uh, you know we, we incorporate the uh, you know our, our, our feelings into sure. it as well. But we need to validate. So absolutely, and, and you don't have to be sensitive. I mean, it, it's the people on the team that you know don't have or say they don't have any psychic abilities. I mean, things can. You know, I mean, I'll sit there and we tell all, everybody who comes in the, the the newbies and everything. It's like. You need to let us know if anything changes, if you start to feel a headache, if you feel nauseous, if you feel like you're going to cry, like anything like that, yep. because it's happened. Where And they're like, but I'm not sensitive. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. Yeah, all you got to be is that, that weak link, in a sense, really. I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it. I mean, You, know, you're the, <laughs> you are the weakest link. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you're the one that can get through one, you know, if you're in a situation yeah. where they're trying to communicate and you're that person, because yep. you're open enough to them, they're, right. you're going to be the person that they're trying to attack or 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 uh, or, or or communicate with. Okay, so yep. so you really need to be on your best at all times. Um, and you know, and you know, if you're having a bad day, sometimes it's not the best idea to be out in an investigation. I so. absolutely agree. I think that people who are not in the right frame of mind, like you know, you have had your relationship broke up that day, or you're feeling sick, or whatever it is. Um, I don't think you should investigate. I, I mean that's that's absolutely the way it should be. So it's uh, you know, it's it's you know, it's, and unfortunately that hurts the team a little bit because you set back the membership and you know, everybody else has to step up a little bit. But it is what it is. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, I mean, you have to protect yourselves. Um, and you know, and psychic protection only goes so far. I mean, you can, you know, you you need to protect yourself first. Um, right. and hopefully that protection that you're protecting yourself with overflows into your team a little bit. But if you can't protect yourself, you can't expect someone to do it for you. So you have to uh, you have to be able to uh, to guard yourself and and, and you know, if you're not having a, a a good night you you shouldn't be the one guarding yourself take a walk outside for a little bit you know okay. get some fresh air so and that's sometimes necessary I mean it's it's, it's it's common sense really you know I mean you're you're dealing with something that can see you that can hear you that can pretty much do everything you can do but you can't do with them if that makes sense. They, yes, they have an advantage, is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Have they have a, a full advantage over us, and uh, you know, all of our little things we do, all of our little um, you know, traditions that we follow. You know, if I carry a stone in my pocket, you know, I'm going to be okay. Well, if you don't believe in what the stone is trying to accomplish, don't bother carrying a stone because it's oh, mental. No, absolutely. Yeah. And people get that wrong. You know, sometimes they walk in, they say, "Well, I got my stones, I'm protected." Well, you're not because you don't believe in what the quality of the stone is. So that's something we try and emphasize as a group um, with our membership to make them understand that there's there's countless ways to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. But regardless, it's two words, visualization and intention. If you don't visualize what you're trying to accomplish, you're not going to have any intentions of accomplishing it. You yeah. have to be able you have to uh, you have to be able to do both. It's a full package. So it's and you want to change it up. You don't want to keep using the same thing, you know, over and over. Because I'll know what's coming. 
You know, I don't know if you guys think of that, but you think about you go into an investigation where you use the same psycho protection all the time. Um, if once you start getting a track record for yourself and they start realizing who you are, and, and I do believe that you set a little flag up every time you want an investigation, you know, especially if you're good at what you do. Um, sure. And, you know, they're going to know you're coming and they're going to know that you're going to use those stones for protection. So they're just going to find a way right around it. So you have to find a method in the background, probably 10 methods in the background that you would use that you wouldn't normally discuss with anybody. It's like when you're talking to a client. It's like your secret arsenal. You know, when you're talking to a client, you don't want to give out too many of your trade secrets over the phone to a client because if they're being affected by something, whatever they're being affected by could potentially learn about you. Now, that's, True. that's the way you have to view it. You don't know your enemy. Um, and I hate to use that word, but in a sense, what we do. Spiritual warfare is just that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, and if you get involved with, uh, with any kind of uh, resolutions – um, you know, if you're a resolutions team at all, you, you need yeah. to think everything, you know, before yeah. you take on the case. So, see, important. I look at it as, as spiritual collaboration, right? If yeah, we're working with we're working with the spirits to help. You would hope so. Most of the yeah. time, you they would understand that. But what happens if that one that doesn't want to work with you? Well, you know, if you're a douche in life, you're a douche when you're dead. Let's be let's exactly. be honest about that. <laughs> exactly. So, so you need to be able to protect yourself against that douche. Okay. <laughs> You need to be able to protect yourself against it. And, and you never know when you're going to walk into something that might not necessarily be human. Okay? So you have to be, you know, you don't know what you're walking into. When you start doing private homes, um, you know, you, you, you walk into a, a home where you, you seem like the claims are uh, are legitimate and, 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 you know, Casper case, for lack of better words. Um, but then you get in there and you realize, wait a minute, this is different than I thought it was. Once you open that door, you aren't closing it. So, you know, you, you've taken home pretty much, you know, the possibility of taking home anything you've encountered. So you have to uh, you have to be able to protect yourself against that, um, and that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that we emphasize is that you know we want membership to realize that you're uh, you know this this you know, although you're not walking in and you know and into the most dangerous of all environments in the world you're, you're walking into a dangerous environment potentially and you have to be able to uh, to respond sure. to whatever is there if necessary. So we give them the warning. You know, we teach them what the different warning signs of demonic right. activity. We teach them what the different levels of poltergeist activity were and how a poltergeist situation works. You know, we right. try to get the information out to them so that at least if it starts going in a direction that you think it might be going in, unfortunately, and then you're able to regroup and, and get that information together and put it in a position where you can change, <coughs> change your tactics or find somebody who can do the job. Because if you can't do it yourself, the last thing you want to do is stir the pot. You know, you got to make sure you can get somebody in there who can help them out. So that's the that's the problem. You know, it's mental. So you go out and you go. I get to go home at the end of the night and go to sleep. You know, I come into your home and I and I uh, and I uh, I conjure up something that shouldn't have been conjured up because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, yeah. That puts you in a position, right? So right. Well, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Carrie. No, I was just saying, and then you, as a client, you have to live with that. Right. Exactly. Well. Says this is what you have. Sorry, can't help you. See you later. Yep, exactly. And that's one of the things that I actually get concerned about with people who watch something on TV and decide they're going to go try this themselves. Is you really don't know what you're walking into, and if you don't have the experience and the context and the framework, you know that's tough. And yeah, structure is important, and it's the reason why we emphasize it so much. Where we have a hierarchy, we have a we have training. I mean, uh, I mean, it might not be. Hey, it's our training, okay? There's no sure. set rule and patterns of what you're supposed to train people. But we train people what we think works, okay? We train people with what we would want to do if we we're in a situation where we had to uh, have rely on something. So I think that you know, if, if, if when a day that someone writes a book and says that it's the Almighty Bible, the law of, of paranormal investigating, that then you know the world's going to end because right. I don't, Nobody's ever going to be able to do that. 
Um, well, yeah, definitely. No. So one more question from chat. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad wants to know if you are able to handle demonic cases or inhuman cases. Uh, yes, low level. Uh, we, we can attempt the situation. Um, we do have teams that we can refer to for backup if necessary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I hope that our questionnaires and our preliminary um, work that we do would, would help give us clues of that first. Um, I'm very particular about the cases I do take. Uh, I like to make sure that I'm, uh, I'm walking uh, into a home that I feel I can, I can deal with. Um, and sure. if I feel a case is over my head, I, I will refer it out. So, yeah. so we do deal with – we have dealt with demonic cases, okay? Um, um, we've, I've seen things that, you know, obviously I, I wouldn't want to discuss on air that would probably scare people to death. But, you know, but the thing is, is I, I, uh, yeah, I, I've, um, I try not to, I try not to get those cases if I can avoid them. You know, sure. I have, I'd rather give those two that are more experienced. And I look at those teams as being sort of mentors. Um, yeah. And they, they help us. We learn from them. Um, and our time will come. Sure. So, you know, sure. that, that, we have to keep that optimistic view. You know, if it's meant to be something that you deal with, then you'll deal with it. Um, but if I can avoid it um, and refer it off to a team that's more capable, I'm going to. And, and also sure. look at your perspective at home. I mean, I've got small kids. Yep. Okay. I've got, you know, I have to think of my, you know, outside of the, the whole, you know, I go to an investigation. The last thing I want to think about is my children because obviously it leaves them open channel wherever it could be there. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I have to think behind the scenes that, you know, whatever I bring home could could affect them or my wife. Okay. So, yep. so um, you know, so I'm, I'm not prepared to deal with that kind of case. I'm not going to. So Good for you, yeah. Now, we're the same way. We actually, um, it, we, we refer cases like that to clergy because, you know, that's not what we do. So, I understand. Okay, so remember at the beginning of the show or right before we came on the air, I told you in the last couple of minutes we'd give you time for shameless self-promotion? Mm. <laughs> this is it. Promote oh. away, guys. All right. Well, like I say we are uh, NJ Rope, uh, as we've mentioned probably 50 times during this uh during this, um, what's it called, this interview here. Um, but, uh, you know, it basically just comes down to, if you want to check us out, um, you know, we're, uh, we're at www.njrope.com. Um, we are located on the, uh, the Paranormal Dictionary. Uh, I don't know if you're, uh, anybody's familiar with that. Uh, you know, we're, we're pretty much out there wherever. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. Um, so you can, you can check us anywhere. You know, our, our phone numbers or anybody ever wants to contact us, any kind of questions or concerns or anything like that, you can simply, uh, Look us up. We've, we've got all sorts of uh, um, email links and uh, mm-hmm. and phone numbers and things you can contact us through. So and you can uh, also check out some EVPs and mm-hmm. photo and video evidence on our website as well. Right, and we're also you know it doesn't necessarily have to be an investigation. So we are uh, we're out there just to give people advice as well. Sometimes you might have a question about how to try to protect yourself. So if something we can help you with, we will. Um, and uh, you know we love getting out and talking to people like yourselves, and uh, and hoping people learn from us as much as we can all learn from you. So. Very That's good. All right. All right. So, Frank and Carrie, thank you. It's been fun having you on the show. Thank you very thank much. You I appreciate the opportunity. It's been great. Yeah, yeah, and I hope good good things come to you. I hope we can do it again sometime. Ah, uh, that sounds good to me. All right. All right. Bye. You guys have a great evening, and thank you yep. so much for coming on the show. Thanks All right. So we'll talk to you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Good night. Cheryl. Hi. I just wanted everybody to hear your sexy phlegm voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I know. I had bad laryngitis for like three or four days, and I finally got it's my voice really, back. You can't tell listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you never would know it. 
obsession with the paranormal. And so he just talks about how he goes out and investigates and um, how this obsession took over his life and some lessons that he learned along the way and some of the evidence he captured along the way. And so we're looking forward to talking to Rick Wade next week. Sorry, I'm going to miss it. Going to be at a going to be at a high school band concert so there you go you you can always listen on podcast <laughs> well i can always listen on podcast i know i like to get to talk Wait, to people i want you to I do know. it again i want you to do it again cheryl you can always listen on podcast <laughs> you can you always listen cheryl on podcast tonight. <laughs> no, i'm telling you i'm telling you <laughs> oh dear me dear me <laughs> All right, I'll I'll even fill you in on the week after December nineteenth. We're we're going to talk to members of the Native American Paranormal Project. So oh, that'll be cool. Well, yeah, talked to those guys already. Yeah, those guys are cool. Oh, you did awesome. Yeah, yeah I asked I asked talked to them about doing an article or something. So uh, uh, yeah, wow, wonderful. Okay, great timing. Um, I did not know that. So yeah. um, we'll talk to them ne- uh, two weeks from today, and then we're going to be breaking on December twenty sixth. No show that oh, that no, week. I'm going to be broken. <laughs> you're broken but only but only for a week and then you can you can fix yourself and then come back january 2nd first show of the new year with lloyd arabach yeah what a great way to ring in the new year with lloyd we haven't talked to him in so long and you know the thing is we love lloyd every time he comes on we're just so happy to talk to him and then we like forget about him for another two years (laughs) (laughs) we never forget about him but we don't forget about him but we know you know we we get all these other great guests and like a love hate thing or what no we love (laughs) lloyd you you can't forget about the guy we do the same thing we do the same thing with like barry taff we had him on like two or three Uh. shows really fast and then we haven't talked to him in a while either. I guess, no, we did just talk to him a while. We shortly. did. We just talked to him again yeah, like a few yeah, months, a couple months ago. I know. Well, but, and I hope that in the new year also we're going to do some more of the metaphysical topics and like the life after death. I we're going to hear you know, how these people are involved in the paranormal. Involved. I'll work on that. I'll work, work on that. that. Oh, for Christ's sake. By the way, um, we I have to promote our December issue because it's going to be online tonight or tomorrow morning, depending on how I feel. <laughs> um, but it'll be available for readers here in the next 24 hours. Um, go hey. to www.paranormalunderground.net. You can read the magazine for free online, or you can buy a PDF for $1.99, or you can even buy a 12-month digital subscription, and we'll email you each issue every month. That magazine you said is well, you awesome. can buy one PDF for $12.99? Oh. $1.99. $1. Oh, why did I hear $12.99? I'm it's because my ears know. are filling wow. up, because I'm... I'm not feeling well. I have I, Cheryl's crud transmitted to me across <laughs> the internet. I know I should have been emailing with her. I'm so um, Cheryl's crud. Yeah, Cheryl's crud. So, I'm Cheryl, sorry. can you give us a little taste of what will be in this magazine so that we have people flocking to download it as soon oh, as yes. it's available? You know I can. You know I can give you more than you want to hear. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me, let me, all right, all right. We have some awesome articles as usual. Our writers are are the best that there are, and um, we have. Yes, we are. You are. Mm-hmm. In fact, Chuck and Karen are writers for the magazine. So, oh, what thank a you. surprise! <laughs> <laughs> we have an article on the ghosts of Christmas City. We have an article on the Busby Stoop Chair. We have an article on the Close Encounter Classification System. Just a minute, just a minute. The Busby Stoop Chair, the chair that kills people. That's the chair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the cursed chair. Wait, wait, is chair. that the one that hangs up on the walls? Yes. Yeah, the chair that oh, so people can't yes. sit on it because it kills people. That is it. 
It that is, is a killer it. chair. Cool. Yeah, and um, our, our good friend Ashley Hall over in Australia wrote that article. Um, cool. The Close Encounter Classification System uh, was written by Rick Hale. And, um, of course, I have to mention both of your articles. Karen, you wrote a top ten on the top divination tools, which is yeah. a really cool article. I loved it, Go by the Karen. way. Yeah, and uh, Chuck, in your column, you talked with Marie D. Jones, who we've actually covered. I think, Karen, you might have written a book review on her book a while, a couple years ago. Uh, which one was her? Science? Science. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Chuck did a Q&A with, with Marie. It's a really good in-depth Q&A. So, great. Um, I like her. She is great. We've had her on the That's radio cool. show, too, a while back. But check I think that, I missed that uh, one. Oh, did you miss that one? I think I might have missed that one, or that might have been during the kidney stone months. I think it was. You may have just yeah, forgotten that so one. Yeah, <laughs> so that's just all kind of a blur. Yeah. And a lot of, there was a lot of Percocet involved. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she, that's a great article, Chuck. Um, thank you for Thanks. doing that. We have an investigator spotlight on San Diego ghost hunters. We've had um, Maritza and Colleen on the show before in the yes. past. Um, we have a parrot chat from the Psychic Biker. Um, oh. uh, oh, on is Ray it, is Jordan. The, is the psychic, psychic biker Chuck and Rick's bromance? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's my buddy Paul. <laughs> it's your bro- See, it's a bromance. Did you my hear how it's always got, like, all soft? Then, the, then if you, you got to throw Steve in the mix, too. There's, Steven, like, a four-way going Steven here. writes in the magazine. Steven did an article, too. He's known as it's the like, extreme like ghost the hunter. Yeah, it's like the bromance. Yeah. Bromance yeah. at Paranormal Underground. Mm-hmm. Chad ought to get involved in that. Chad's in on this. Bromance. You know that, right? John, Chad's in on yeah, it. You can join. Five number crowd. <laughs> um, Stephen Lambert, he did an article on, um, oh my gosh, my brain, Borthwick uh, Castle in the UK over there. He didn't write about how much he loves Rick and Chuck. I'm shocked. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. But, you know, that could be forthcoming. I don't know. I'm going to have to talk with him when he comes back. He's coming to visit me in June again, so I'll have to have a talk with him. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to go through that on Facebook again. Yes. Again. Oh, we love it. It's entertaining. <laughs> the romance continues. <laughs> so, yeah, check it out. There's there's articles on time travel. Um, Katie did an article for Conspiracy Corner on time travel in the U.S. Really cool. Um, we have um, William's col- William Becker, Inside the Psychic Mind. He does a great column. Um, we have a column on crystals and herbology by Mishaela. We yeah. have magic and lore. Um, uh, um, Bishop Long has been writing for us, and he has an excellent okay. column. And I love the insights that he that he that he passes on to our readers. So this one this month he wrote about making contact with departed loved ones. Um, yeah, and um, Melinda writes about religion and the paranormal, and this time... SPR member. SP, yeah, mm-hmm. Karen's co-team member. She, uh, Melinda's writing about the paranormal in Christianity this month. Great. And, um, oh my gosh, I could go on and on, but um, Jill but Marie you, Morris, I just want to mention... Will. I will. I will just keep going on and on until you turn me off. Um, <laughs> Jill Marie Morris wrote... A uh, special Take report, and I <laughs> and go slow. No, yeah. uh, Jill Marie Morris <laughs> wrote a special report. No, uh, on um, uh, she Jill Marie Morris does some great special. Oh I mean, guest editorials, and her her insights just blow me away all the time. If you read read her and past her articles, her new book is out. Yeah, read her. What's it called? Saints and Sinners and Sacred Ground. Thank you. Right? Yeah, I've read her first book. I haven't read the second one yet, but I highly recommend yeah, her the new first book. Out, so go look that up. Amazon.com. Saints and yeah. Sinners and Sacred Ground. 
but she has some insights into the paranormal that I just love. Um, this latest one is on the flea phenomenon. And it's about mistaking oh, mistaking fleas and, and dust mites for orbs, and so it's a it's a pretty interesting article. Some of the things she comes up with, I don't I don't usually think of, um, and so it brings a new perspective, um, I think, to yeah. to my mind anyway. And um, and so check that out and go to paranormalunderground.net and look us up. Okay, very good. Yeah. And. After the first of the year, are we not adding a new column to Paranormal Underground as well? Oh, boy. You shouldn't ask me th- these things when my mind isn't clear. On safety? Oh, <laughs> oh thank you. Yes, we are. We are We are adding a new column, I'm happy to say. It's going to be I'm so a... I'm excited. A, I'm hoping it's monthly, but it's, 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 it's going to be a it's continual, as, time. as time permits. We're going to have a new column by our friend Elaine, and she's going to write about safety. And I think it's an important topic that uh, a lot of times investigators or researchers don't think about. We just had a great conversation with Frank and Carrie, and their team obviously does a great job with safety. And so, but I think... Some teams don't think about certain safety aspects, and I think it's an important topic that people could really learn from. So I'm excited about adding this column in. I'm excited that Elaine's going to be with us. Yeah, Sounds yeah, cool. yeah, Sounds definitely. Cool. So definitely. thanks for thanks for reminding right. me about that. <laughs> yes. So there you have it. A plethora of paranormal pleasures coming your way. Yay. Man, if you don't read, I don't. If you don't read this magazine, I don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Uh, Seriously. I, or listen to this radio awesome. show. Yes, <laughs> because you get to hear you, fantastic Chuck. things yes. like me singing to Chuck, like Marilyn. Yes, Monroe. is that how we're going to end the show? Are we going to end the show that way? No, because it's oh. not his birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah. you have <laughs> to wait another year, Chuck. It was, my birthday. it was my birthday on what Monday or Tuesday? Yes, Chuck, you need Chuck. to see oh, the Karen. My birthday on Tuesday, so go so ahead. I have to. Happy birthday <laughs> to you! Oh wow! Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday, dear Karen. Happy birthday to you. Holy cow. You have a great singing voice, Chuck. Look at you. Which I think you need a better Marilyn than me. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on that, Karen. I'm kind of picturing him in his little white dress standing on the grate, you know. Holding my dress down and yeah, blowing it up. <laughs> All right, well, with that, we we got to get off the air, folks. Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, it's oh, time. So oh. we will be back. Well, Chuck and Rick will be back next week. Um, stick around or come back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Good night. You'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio? Email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at ParanormalUnderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network.